You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Monday afternoon. Let's turn to our first topic and guests of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we'll be hearing about an amazing collaboration between architects and marine scientists on how 3D printing can help restore and repopulate coral reefs. And to tell us a little bit more, we're joined by the researchers behind this pioneering project uh, in Hong Kong, all of them from the University of Hong Kong. I'd like to welcome on the program Rico Yu, who is a PhD candidate from the Swai Institute of Marine Science School of Biological Sciences from the University of Hong Kong, along with Lydia Ratoy, who's an assistant lecturer from the Department of Architecture, and also Christian Langer, who's an associate professor from teaching, also from the, um, the Department of Architecture. Many thanks uh, for joining us this afternoon. We are also on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this all gets streamed there. Um, so do join us there. Maybe, uh, Rico, if I can start with you first. Uh, first of all, uh, can you sort of give us an overview a little bit more about this collaboration? Uh, so back in 2015 and 2016, uh, we observed a quite a significant partial mortality event um, in Hoihawa Marine Park where we see corals uh, suffered from patchy uh, mortality under the uh, surface and then coupled with uh, overfishing and sedimentation, reptiles, all these uh, threats are also uh, putting the corals at risk. So that's how we started to think about what can we do to res uh, res rescue the coral community there and yeah, that's how it started. What sorts of threats uh, are these corals facing uh, here in Hong Kong and, and globally? Mm -hmm. Well, globally, uh, climate change is being the biggest threat. But here, uh, we also observe red tide, uh, that is uh, water pollutions um, and also bio erosion. Uh, naturally, it's a, well, it's a natural occurring phenomenon, but here, over the years, and coupled with um, eutrophication, that is more pollution in the water, um, these are accelerating the degradation of corals here. Why is there this need of uh, intervention then uh, with, with 3D printing, for example? I mean, was it you who approached the architects or was it the other way around? Uh, the project started, uh, the dialogue started uh, between our lab members, our uh, PI, uh, Dr. David Baker, who is not here today, but he uh, initiated the thought of collaborating with architects Christian and Lydia here um, to how can we use technology to aid recovery. So when I say recovery, uh, there are threats, um, but naturally the corals could have recovered uh, by themselves, but that would take years and given a ideal conditions, which maybe they're not ready for it now. So uh, while we want to speed up the recovery process, um, that's how we started to intervene the process with technology. Yeah, well, let's bring in the architects uh, to, to this discussion as well. Uh, let's bring in Lydia and, and Christian. Now, now you're both part of the, the team um, from the architecture side of things. Uh, tell us a little bit more about these uh, uh, reef tiles. What are they made of? How do you go about printing them? What is that process? Maybe Lydia, ladies first. So um, I joined the team uh, and I think the most fun part because the collaboration already started. So when I joined the team, we were working on a design. So I think uh, for some, for me and Christian, it was a really interesting opportunity because we are architects, but we also work with coding and robots. So we are ourselves already kind of multidisciplinary. 
And now with this collaboration, another factor came in. And um, I don't know if I should get already into the specifics of the design. Yeah, sure. Uh, go for it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the, the tiles are designed, uh, they're, they're site-specific um, because every from our understanding from the marine biology team, every water is different. So we had a lot of requirements from them that we had to take, consideration, uh, take into consideration. So the tiles are designed specifically for the waters of Hong Kong. Um, and they are, um, we have two types of tiles and one type of unit. So each unit has uh, one center tile that hosts the, the monitoring device and worldwide. And then the three other tiles, which are the, the, the one where we explored a bit more geometries. And they are optimized for um, coral growth, and uh, there has been a lot of uh, coding that went into it. And um, we we got to use a lot of um, our skills in a, in a new way, which was a really interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, how big are these uh, reef tiles? And they are already in use already. Yes. How big are yeah, they? So, um, yes, Christian. Um, Tiles, they have like a rough diameter of 600 uh, millimeters. And so as uh, Lydia pointed out, like uh, there are this notion of the unit and the notion of the tile. So uh, each unit has four tiles. Yeah? So each unit is about uh, roughly 1.2 square meters. And so we are basically produced like uh, about 128 tiles, which is covering altogether like roughly uh, 40 square meters okay um in terms of the material what sorts of material are these tiles made of then yeah so um we used um uh, generic clay which you can basically buy off the shelf uh which is usually used for pottery yeah and um i always wanted to work with a kind of a local material like local soil or so but unfortunately like hong kong doesn't has any supply like locally um so you you're kind of like if you want to kind of work with clay terracotta you have to kind of like basically buy uh the clay from abroad so this clay is coming from the uk um and yeah you find it in any kind of like clay um pottery shop here in hong kong so okay are, are these clays uh biodegradable um by any chance i mean once you use them once you embed them into the the oceans will it cause uh, will it integrate with, with the ocean will it eventually sort of disappear or disintegrate H how does that work well um clay is basically soil yeah so um it will erode over time how long that takes i don't know exactly um it might be maybe we'll ask the uh, like uh, 20 years maybe 50 years i don't know rico you you might have kind of researched that but like i think it's uh, they're probably lasting a good 50 years rico well, yeah uh, so when we about the grapple they are actually breaking into smaller pieces so uh, finally they will be breaking the sand and yeah, as Christian said, they're all natural materials, so they will be integrated into the seabed eventually. Okay, so so obviously the um, uh, the team from the architecture department would come up with with the plan, or did you come up with the sort of uh, thinking of it? And how how did you both collaborate? Because in my mind, they're two very different uh, disciplines. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's really a wonderful initiative that you're able to, you know, to, to do this uh, for the betterment of our nature. But I'm just trying to work out the process. Did you come up with some of the design plans of how these coral tiles should look like? Or did Christian and uh, Lydia already have an idea of how, how it should uh, be, um, uh, well, how it should look? Yeah. I mean, uh, so basically, as Rico pointed out, like Dave Baker, uh, the lab uh, who runs the lab at uh, the Swire Institute, um, he approached uh, my dean, the dean of architecture, uh, Chris Webster, uh, back in, I believe, late or late 2017 or so, yeah, and uh, was proposing this project if there's somehow a chance, because we have like very great um, fabrication facilities here in the Faculty of Architecture. So I built up this uh, so-called robotic fabrication lab uh, in 2016, so we can kind of do 3D printing, we can do uh, milling, we can do quite a few uh, various kind of um, fabrication methods. And he somehow uh, was uh, got aware of that, that there's this possibility that uh, we could kind of collaborate on that. And so um, that, that was really the early stage when he reached out and we had a meeting and uh, we kind of both uh, said, yeah, okay, why not? That sounds really interesting. Um, and uh, Dave had I think he had like a research, a research assistant working in 2018, early 2018 on it, like um, on, on a kind of first idea, which was this kind of idea of like tiles, yeah, tiling with a some sort of a um, biomimic, uh, biomimicry pattern, like this kind of coral pattern. And so he approached us to kind of see how we can fabricate that, yeah, and so um, there were multiple solutions, like from a fabricator's point of view, that you could kind of cast it. Uh, that was our first idea to kind of cast it in concrete. But um, Dave then also like um, oh, understood that we, to begin with. yeah, we were thinking of concrete in the beginning. But Dave also understood that I had done something in in terracotta. So I, I, I have experimented like for the past four years with a lot of terracotta, and because terracotta has also like a and Rico can probably explain it better, but he, it has a kind of like a quite a dominant role as well in marine biology, like as a, I believe like as a testing material. Uh, so he was very kind of intrigued by that. And so then we got like, uh, after we did like first kind of concrete tests, which took as well a little bit longer than we expected to kind of go into the other route of 3D printing, which is a little bit faster. And so, um, so that's how we kind of started the whole uh, conversation and the kind of like developments. There were ideas coming from the marine biologists in terms of like like uh, what the, this uh, might uh, look like, and we took it then on, and then we obviously evaluated it um, from the point of view how to fabricate it, and then redesign as well the tiles. You know? oh, okay, so you came up with, or, or so your team came up with the design. Was there a lot of back and forth as to how they should look uh, between the two departments? Uh, Lydia, maybe you can also elaborate on that. Uh, and and you, I know you can talk um, about the algorithm as well, so perhaps you can elaborate on that. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, the kind of design that we do is not traditional design where you draw something and then you build it. It's uh, based on code. So there's a logic to whatever you do and it's uh, code generated. So it was really um, useful that we use this kind of design because whenever we had a new parameter that we had to input that the marine biology team was telling us, we could just incorporate into the design. So actually our tiles are composed of two different geometries. Uh, we have the bottom geometries that are just a traditional grid. 
And the reason why it is like that is because we couldn't have a full sub solid objects because the marine biology ex the guys explained to us that there's a lot of sedimentation in Hong Kong waters. So we needed to create a tile that is not a full solid so sedimentation can go through. And then on top, we have uh, another six layers of prints, which are, um, wow. they look like a coral, so they mimic the shape of a coral, but we couldn't just draw that because of 3D printing reasons. So we basically had to build this coral out of the grid underneath. And um, we, uh, we used to grow- How did you build it? Did you use a mold or how, how did you build it? No, 3D printed, everything okay. is 3D printed. But I'm in terms of generating it digitally oh, so I that see. we can build it. Uh, yeah, we, we had to basically take the grid and transform that through code in a coral-like geometry. And then I think the last addition we added to the, the design was that we created these pockets for, for the, where the corals are placed. So this was also, this was kind of the last piece of code and the last design alteration we did. So we, we took that coral pattern and we created these uh, pockets. So these packets mean that basically the coral is, uh, the pattern is scarcer there. And then for 3D printing reasons, we had to densify the pattern in other areas because uh, the print being this large, as Christian mentioned, it's 70, almost 70 centimeters diameter, uh, needs uh, some mass to, to counterbalance all of this um, length because uh, clay, when it dries, it cracks up. So this was something that we really had to optimize and to create a geometry that respected all the marine biology rules, but also the specificities of 3D printing with clay. Wow, this is, this is, it totally blows my mind. This is incredible that <laughs> I'm sure even Rico is nodding that this is not just building like how we envision drawing it out and then just making it. This is made from coding and this is a new territory for, for our listeners on the one, two, three show. I do want to ask, what are some of the biggest challenges? You, you touched on one just now, Lydia, and that is printing on clay. I mean, often we hear 3D printing on plastic and different things, but I must admit, I've not heard 3D printing uh, on clay. What were some of the challenges uh, on doing so? Uh, Lydia, Christian? So yeah, the biggest challenge is that uh, the material, I mean, f f everyone who is familiar with pottery knows that uh, clay will dry and will shrink, yeah, and it will also deform, yeah, so uh, it's a very tricky material to work with and to, to uh, in the beginning anyways, yeah, like to kind of really um, being able to control the outcome. And I would say we are still not fully there. You know, we have kind of, we, we struggled as well a lot. And because, I mean, we have been printing in the lab smaller um, components like maybe uh, 20 by 20 centimeters or so. But this and, is and, huge. Yeah, so uh, Rico and Dave and the team, they wanted to have it as large as possible. So we really tried to push it. And like you can imagine the larger you make a tile then shrinking is can become really like an issue and and so it's also like yeah so we had to kind of experiment it with different materials to print on and to kind of like flip the uh, flip the tile while we were uh, after printing to kind of let it dry differently and all kinds of different methods um so because like one 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 of the biggest challenges is like really when it dries it can crack it's brittle and these yeah. crack yeah, yeah and so when it's cracking then it has uh, the danger is pretty close that it kind of really breaks. Yeah. So, and um, I mean, we had quite a bit of cracking, like smaller cracks, and that kind of didn't kind of um, 
let's say, um, uh, have an impact on the structure integrity. But like we had as well a lot of cases where all of a sudden this whole thing broke. Yeah. So, um, and we are still at this kind of stage where we are. Yeah, it's a prototype. It kind of works. Yeah. So, but we we are still need to optimize and optimize and make it better. Yeah. And I, I mean, as you can imagine, we are not like a um, professional fabrication kind of facility. We are kind of a research uh, a research lab. So, um, conceptually, we would need to have like a few more tools and kind of like devices to make it even like to make it to improve it. I would say. I hope after this interview, people will be, you know, giving you lots of grant money and, you know, it'll expand. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe my, my other question to Rico is why do the tiles need to be so big? Why can't they be smaller, smaller and be put together? Why does it have to be, you know, larger structures? So the major idea for having structure is to provide stability. And we were commissioned by the agriculture and fishery and conservation department to initiate a restoration project there. That is, we have to plant coral there. But at one of the sites, it was just sand bottoms where we don't find any substratum that we can attach the corals on. So that's why we need uh, these structures to provide this platform, a stable platform where you can put the corals on and then they can go on. Yeah, so, I mean, how are the results now? I understand these uh, coral tiles are already being implemented in, in Hoi Ha Wan, in our Hong Kong waters already. Uh, is it looking promising? Is it attracting, you know, biodiverse life there? It's really right on time. Uh, we deployed it uh, last month, and right after we deployed it at a sandy bottom, uh, the next time, after an hour, we already see some sea cucumber coming over, hermit oh, wow. crab and fishes around us. So it, that was really encouraging. And, you know, we had uh, been, we had a typhoon last couple of weeks ago, and it was interesting that uh, one of our volunteers just sent us pictures, and she said, the units are still being pretty intact there. So it's they're doing well, I think. That's amazing. I mean, how does it feel uh, for, for, for Christian and also yeah. Lydia to, to hear that, that, you know, robotics and your architectural work has been put into such amazing use? Did you imagine um, having this sort of project, uh, Christian, when you founded uh, your lab four years ago? Actually, um, actually not at all. Um, so, and I was also, I have to say, I was a little bit, um, when, when Dave approached us, I was like, not skeptical, but like, uh, yeah, it's not it's really good. architecture. You know, academics <laughs> should be skeptical. It's a good quality. Yeah, like, but like, uh, well, I was, yeah, I mean, not, I was not skeptical in that sense, but I was kind of like, yeah, is that really something for me or so? And like, do, and, um, but like, I guess like, um, so when I, I printed like a, a, a test tile uh, in 2018, uh, which was, not really elaborated it was just like a small tile like a really like a test like in terracotta for for david rico uh in summer 2018 and uh they took it and they put it into the waters and let uh, left it there for i believe a couple of months rico i can't remember how long that was and then they said they showed us photos how that print after this couple of months was already totally populated by all kinds of um uh little um plants i believe algae, yeah and yeah. algaes and so and it looked like amazing yeah and i was like wow man wow, that's so cool yeah that. like so yeah yeah so no and i was kind of like hey that's it felt like yeah that's that's actually um 
I mean, like we are as architects, we are very visually or uh, visual people. Yeah, we are kind of attracted by all kinds of visuals. Yeah, so if something like this happened, you're like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so you kind of get get really excited. Yeah, and so that's why I think. Um, um, like the whole side of architecture was super excited about the project, you know. Absolutely, that I it feel, kind of it seems to work as well. Exactly, I feel excited. This is such a remarkable uh, project. Uh, I'm so proud that you know this is happening for for our Hong Kong waters because you know taking our minds back, um, our biodiversity, our marine life used to be um, a, a lot richer. Um, whereas nowadays, I think there's also room for improvement. And you three, well, your whole team, including Professor Baker, uh, has also contributed to that. Well, we're out of time uh, this week, and I look forward to uh, having you all back on uh, for for more sharing. Maybe not update uh, in the future to how it's going since uh, these coral reefs have only been uh, implemented a, a month ago. I'm sure um, our listeners would, would love to hear an update uh, from all of you and I'm really, really grateful for, for you joining us. Uh, we've been speaking to Christian Langer who is an Associate Professor teaching uh, from the Department of Architecture, also from Lydia, uh, Lydia Ratoy who's an Assistant Lecturer also from the Department of Architecture from the University of Hong Kong along with Rico Yu, a PhD candidate from the Swai Institute of Marine Science School of Biological Sciences from the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you for having, Thank you for having us. Thank you.